You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. These podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you're not an authorised financial advisor, it's important you understand the content of this podcast may be difficult to follow, as it assumes you have the necessary training, qualifications and experience to understand the concepts discussed as well as the technical language used. If you still decide to listen, please understand the information contained in this recording is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Any scenarios considered during this podcast are purely hypothetical and for illustrated purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. Where a client dies and their spouse wishes to take their death benefit in the form of a pension, that death benefit pension will count towards the spouse's transfer balance cap. Therefore, it's going to be extremely important for advisors to be able to assess what impact taking a death benefit as a pension will have on the client's transfer balance cap assessment. So my name is Craig Day and here to discuss the thorny issue of transfer balance caps and death benefit pensions is Linda Bruce, Senior Technical Service Manager in the First Tech team. Hey, Linda. Hey, Craig. How are you? Very well yourself. Good. Thanks. Excellent. All right. So let's just jump straight in. So as I was saying in the intro, where a client takes a death benefit as a pension or as we talk about in the tax terminology as an income stream, an added complexity since 1 July 2017, so over and above all the normal things that we have to deal with with a death benefit, such as who's going to get it and how it's paid and all the tax or stuff, um, is what impact that death benefit will actually have on the beneficiary's transfer balance cap. So in this case, the beneficiary normally being the spouse. And to understand that, we actually need to take into account a whole range of factors, including firstly, the value of the client's transfer balance cap, which maybe just about to change due to indexation. So we'll talk about that later. Uh, as well as whether the death benefit will be taken in the form of a new pension or if it will be automatically reverted on death. So the client's already retired, had commenced their own account-based pension before um, passing away and that pension then reverts to the beneficiary. We also need to think about the actual type of pension that reverted. So we have normal everyday things like account-based pensions, but then we have a special set of income streams called cap-defined benefit income streams. Um, and so that all needs to be taken into account. So let's start off, if we can, Linda, by just asking, can you run through what happens where a client takes a death benefit in the form of starting a new pension? Sure, Craig. So we're dealing with a scenario where someone passed away in the accumulation phase, or if that person um, already commenced the pension, but that pension did not have a reversionary beneficiary nomination. So the surviving spouse would have the option, subject to their transfer balance cap, to take the death benefit in the form of a new account-based pension. So in this scenario, um, the surviving spouse will receive a credit in their transfer balance account. That credit represents the commencement value of that pension, and that credit arises immediately when the pension commences. 
Okay, so just to clarify there, this this whole issue around being a new pension. So where where someone has retired and commenced account-based pension and then pass away, if that pension's not a reversionary pension, then we know from, you know, ATO tax rulings, et cetera, that that pension actually ceases on death. So if we're to take their death benefit in the form of a new pension by the spouse, for example, that means that we need to take that lump sum and actually use it to commence a new pension. So therefore, that what you're saying here is the transfer balance uh, account will be credited with the amount of that pension on the date that we start that new pension. So almost kind of like retiring and starting a new pension, it's the value of that pension on commencement day. Um, so what about where the member actually died with a reversionary pension in place? How does that work? Yeah, the situation is slightly different because that pension does not stop. So the reversionary pension will continue. The original pension will continue when it reverts to the reversionary beneficiary. Um, so the reversionary beneficiary will receive a credit because they do have a retirement phase pension. However, that credit will not arise until 12 months after the date of death. And that credit is not the value uh, when it arises. It actually go back to the time when the person passed away and it's a market value at the time of death and that will eventually arise 12 months later. Okay, so the interesting thing there, so if I go back to what I was talking about before, a reversionary pension, they're interesting beasts because what's happening there is the trustees actually agreeing with the member to pay that pension for the longer of the two lives. So um, the original pensioner and or their reversionary, if the reversionary um, out survives that original beneficiary. So in that situation, the, the reversionary beneficiary, that pension becomes theirs immediately upon death. So therefore, technically under the transfer balance cap rules, we were, we're always going to get a credit immediately that, that that pension is theirs, right? But the issue there is that if that caused that person to have an excess, um, that would happen automatically on death. So the government recognised that's probably not the best outcome. So that that whole reason for that 12-month delay is to say, yes, it will be the, the credit as at the date of death, but that won't arise or the credit won't arise in the transfer balance account for 12 months. And that just gives that person time to rearrange their affairs if it was going to be excessive. Now, what about if the client had a reversionary cap-defined benefit pension, such as a term-allocated pension that was commenced prior to the 1st of July 2017, or even potentially a complying lifetime or life expectancy pension? What, what's the value of the credit in that situation? Yeah, the credit is a special value, and that is special, a special value is specified by the legislation, so we're working with a uh, legislative formula. So how mm -hmm. it works, if you look at the very first payment made to the reversionary beneficiary uh, over the period um, that the payment represents, and then you annualize that payment, and for tax, you multiply that amount by the remaining term that gives you the special value. But it's different for the defined benefit, uh, defined lifetime, uh, defined benefit of pension because um, um, there's no set of remaining terms, right? So you use the annualize the um, uh, first payment amount uh, times a magic number, 16, 
I'm pretty sure everyone's familiar with that. That will give you the special value. And from the timing perspective, it's very similar to other type of uh, reversionary um, account-based pensions. Um, they, they, the reversionary beneficiary will also get a 12 months grace period. So this special value will not arise until 12, month, 12 months later um, post the member's death. Okay, so the timing is the same as things like account-based pensions, but for things like um, term allocated pensions or otherwise known as market-linked income streams, uh, as well as I would imagine uh, life expectancy pensions, it's just that annualised income payment multiplied by the remaining term. I, I assume this is all at the time of the reversion? Correct, correct. Yeah, okay. uh, and for, for lifetime pensions, it's that annualised income payment. We, we, there is no fixed term. So what the government's just basically said there is, well, you multiply it by 16. Um, now, there's also a second reason why we need to know whether that pension is a, a cap-defined benefit income stream rather than just knowing that there's a special value calculation. Um, there's also an issue there that applies um, that if we do end up in an excess position, um, we need to know whether that's also a cap-defined benefit income stream. That's the case, isn't it? Yeah, yes, absolutely. That's due to the nature of those type of income streams. Generally speaking, they are not commutable. Uh, if there is nothing to be commuted from, uh, so the government recognizes it, there is a special rules to modif modify the excess amounts and or limit the amount of any excess. But those rules are a little bit complex, so we might go through some scenarios a bit later to explain the rules. Yeah, that, that might help with those ones. Okay, so um, so an advisor assisting a client to understand the transfer balance cap implications of taking a death benefit as an income stream is really, when I think about it, going to need to take into account the value and the timing of any credits to their transfer balance account based on whether the member died in accumulation phase or pension phase. And if they died in the pension phase, they need to take into account whether the pension was a reversionary or not. And then also they need to take into account whether that pension was a cap-defined benefit income stream or not. So there's actually quite a lot of things there to consider, but that's not all, is there? What else do they need to be thinking about? No, as if the rules are not complicated enough to add another layer of complexity. The general trust balance cap will be indexed um, from the next financial year. That will have an impact on the reversion on the beneficiary's personal transfer balance cap, and that also needs to be taken into consideration. Okay, so if the general transfer balance cap is going up, so that then potentially impacts upon uh, a person's personal transfer balance cap. So obviously we're going to need to run through those rules. So maybe can you start with a beneficiary that has never become entitled to receive a retirement phase pension before. So they've, they've never had any sort of credit to any sort of account. How does that work? Yeah, sure. Um, in that case, uh, where the beneficiary started to receive the retirement phase income stream, in this case might be um, a death benefit income stream, the ATO will establish a transfer balance account for this particular person. Then this person's general transfer balance account, a cap rather, general transfer balance cap equals to um, the general cap at that particular point in time. 
at this stage, no one really needed to worry about it because everyone has the same cap is 1.6 million. So mm-hmm. if we're looking at a situation where the person received a death benefit income stream um, before 1st July 2017, then their personal transbalance cap will be the 1.6 million. Um, so they are able to take the death benefit up to 1.6 million. And if not up to that cap, they may be able to get some indexation next financial year. And uh, if, if this person receives the, the death benefit the income stream on or after 1st July 2020, uh, uh, 2021, <laughs> um, it will get the full indexation of the $100,000. That means their personal transfer balance cap will be increased to $1.7 million. Okay, so once again, to get that through my head, I basically say, okay, well, what was the general value of the general transfer balance cap in the year that I first ever have my transfer balance account created for me, which is when I start my first or become entitled to my first retirement phase income stream. And at the moment, that is 1.6 million. So everyone has a transfer balance cap of 1.6 million where they've commenced to receive a retirement phase income stream. Um, However, if I'm now in the situation and I look at this, maybe I'm thinking about retiring. Um, If I was to retire and start uh, something like an account-based pension, let's say on the 1st of June, that wouldn't be a good idea because now I've potentially used up an amount of my transfer balance cap. So uh, I'd only get proportional indexation come 1 July, only a month later. Um, However, if I delayed taking that uh, that, or starting that account-based pension until the 1st of July, and that's the first time I have a transfer balance account, then I automatically get the increase because my transfer balance cap, my personal one, would be equivalent to the transfer balance, the general transfer balance cap at that time, which is 1.7. So you can probably think about what's going to happen there with death benefits in the lead up to 1 July as well, can't you? People would be saying, okay, we're ready to pay this death benefit. And people might be saying, well, do you mind actually just delaying the uh, paying that death benefit to me until 1 July because then I'll get the full value of that indexation. Um, what about if they've already retired themselves and they've commenced their own account-based pension? So, you know, someone that has had a pension get paid to them, um, but they've already, and I think I would imagine this is going to be the vast majority of situations where people pass away um, that probably post both of them in retirement and uh, both of them have already commenced their own account-based pensions or some other type of income stream and therefore have a transfer balance account and had a trans, personal transfer balance cap of at least 1.6 million, well, of the maximum, or of 1.6 million, um, what's going to happen to them? That means they most likely have either fully used up their cap or partially used up, uh, partially used some of the cap, then they may or may not be able to get a uh, indexation. Uh, in other words, they only get an indexation if they have not, have never ever uh, used up 100% of their personal transfer balance cap in the past. Okay, so I know um, the, the, the legislation there is, is a little bit complicated, but as simply as you can, how do you go about actually identifying the amount of the indexation that someone might be entitled to? Yeah, so as simple as we can, 
Uh, the very important point here is to go back to the transfer balance account right before the indexation occurs, which is 1st July 2021. You, you don't need to look at your current value. Uh, you need to go back and identify the highest ever balance. That's a very critical step, the highest ever balance. Uh, and any further commutations or debits would not count. And okay, just, yep. but just to clarify that, so just to make sense of why we're looking for a highest balance, because someone might be seeing this, saying, well, why wouldn't you use my current, you know? Um, the reason why you have to go back and look for the highest balance is because the government pretty much knew what people would do, right? So if there's a proportional indexation, what people would have done is commuted their pensions back to the accumulation phase on the 30th of June, right? So therefore their transfer balance count balance is reduced back to zero, um, and so therefore, come 1 July, they're going to get full proportional indexation. So to stop that kind of game happening, what they said is you have to go and identify the highest balance you've ever had. So therefore, it doesn't matter if you go and commute your pension back to accumulation phase uh, on the 30th of June and with the intention of starting you know, a 1.7 million pension on the 1st or 2nd of July, that will have no impact because we're always going to count your highest balance. So commutations for the purpose of indexation don't count. That's absolutely correct. So the government has anticipated this type of uh, kind of behaviour and they put it to the end at the very beginning. Okay, so once we've identified our highest balance, then what do we do? We express that amount against the person's transfer balance cap uh, in the percentage. And once you work out the percentage, you round that number down. That's very important step because you round the used portion down. That means your unused portion or unused percentage is more generous, is rounded up. So once you establish the unused percentage, you multiply that amount um, by the increase in the general transfer balance cap. In this case, it's $100,000 then you will get your personal increase in your transfer balance account. Okay. And then obviously you would just deduct that new transfer or personal transfer balance cap from your current uh, transfer balance account value, uh, and that will give you the cap space, which you can then use to commence a death benefit pension. That's right. Excellent. All right. Okay. Now, what about if a pension is a reversionary pension and the member died on or after 1 July 2020? So this is a little bit of a, a trick question for you because when I followed through what you're saying before, so assuming that this is the first time someone's ever started um, become entitled to retirement appraised income stream, so either retirement or any other death benefit, um, and that is in the form of a reversionary pension. So what you were saying before is as soon as I become entitled to a retirement phase income stream, I get a transfer balance account open for me, right? So yes. And then my personal transfer balance cap equals the transfer balance or the general transfer balance cap that applied at that time. So let's just say that this person's spouse passed away on the 15th of July last year, and it's a reversionary pension. So they would have had a transfer balance account created for them at that time. So therefore, they would have their personal cap would then default to the general transfer balance cap that applied at the fifteenth of July last year, which is one point six million. Yep. Well, then, when we get to one July this year, 
the credit in their transfer balance account hasn't actually arisen yet. So what happens there? Such an interesting question, right? But if we apply the rules, it does the individual have a transfer balance account? The answer is yes, they do. Then we identify the highest ever value. And what's that value that's new? Zero. Yeah. And the zero divided by 1.6, you got 0% use the percentage. That means your unused percentage is 100%. Weird, but wonderfully, uh, people in this kind of scenario will get a full indexation. Right, but that wouldn't apply where they've already commenced their own account-based pension because then they would have some sort of balance. The interesting thing, I suppose, there to note, though, that when we look for that highest balance on the 1st of July, we wouldn't see any credit for the death benefit income stream, so that wouldn't get taken into account for our highest balance calculation. That, that's that's right. essentially what you're saying. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Terrific. All right. So what if the client would be so we've gone through and we've calculated all these credit values then we've gone through and calculated what their entitlement to proportional indexation is um so in that situation we then end up with a client that would be in excess so what are they going to need to do to be able to avoid that yeah if they know that they will eventually end up having an excess, they need to take action before the credit arises, right? So what can they do? They needed to make room um, to allow the credit to arise in their account. Um, mm -hmm. What kind of action, what, what kind of move can they make? Uh, can they roll their death benefit uh, back to accumulation phase? Um, no, they can't. Unfortunately, from 1st July 2017, including spouse, they just it's not possible uh, to, to commute their, uh, the death benefit income stream back to accumulation phase. They can either take the death benefit uh, in the form of a lump sum or take it as a continuing pension payment. So what they can commute or roll it back to accumulation phase is their own pension. If they do have their own account-based pension, they can simply roll their own account-based pension back to accumulation phase and make room. Uh, hopefully, that's enough to uh, receive the whole entire death benefit um, um, as, a, as a pension. Okay. So, uh, so in that situation, just recapping what I like to do because this is quite a complex kind of topic. So if I'm starting a new pension, I've just got to identify that cap space that I've got, and I can only take a death benefit up to that. Or what I could do is commute my own account-based pension back into accumulation phase, yeah. which creates a bit more cap space, which may allow me to take up to 100% of that death benefit as a pension. So what that does really is allows me to keep all of my benefits and the death benefits in the superannuation system. So that may make a lot of sense to me if I've got other income outside super and that's the best place for that money to sit for for tax purposes and maybe potentially also estate planning purposes because if I've got money in super, I've got you know binding death benefit nominations and reversionary nominations and all that sort of stuff. If it's reversionary, once again, I'm going to get a credit in 12 months. So I've got to do something within that 12-month period. So either... I take a lump sum out of the death benefit. So there, you know, just reiterating there that the ATO has this view that a death benefit uh, can only be paid as a lump sum or a continuing income stream. So I can't just pull out a bit of that death benefit and roll it back to the accumulation phase because the ATO says that's actually a breach of the cashing rules. 
not exactly convinced by that, but that's their position. So unless someone wants to take them to court, not me, thank you. Um, that's kind of what the rule that we need to comply with. So uh, in that situation, once again, to resolve that, if you want to maintain as much as you can in super, then you commute and roll back your own pension into retirement, uh, into the accumulation phase. And therefore, that creates that cap space for the death benefit income stream. So, all right, so let's maybe look at some examples here. So we'll start off with one that looks at proportional indexation. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, let's let's take Audrey, right? So actually, before we get into these case studies, um, for people, you know, when you follow a case study on, on a podcast or something, there's all sorts of numbers flying everywhere um, and it can get a bit hard to follow. Now, obviously, we have written an article around this issue, so... If you've got any questions uh, as we go through or you get a little bit lost, jump on and have a look at that article um, or give us a call in the first tech team and we can just walk you through how this all works. So let's look at Audrey. She retired and commenced, uh, let's say, an account-based pension for $905,000 on the 1st of August 2018. And that is her only credit in her transfer balance account, so therefore her highest balance. Then on the 1st of August 2021, her spouse Fred died, leaving a death benefit in accumulation phase for him of $900,000. So that may or may not have included some insurance proceeds. So the question there is how much could Audrey actually take of that $900,000 as a death benefit income stream? So do you want to just run through that? Sure, Craig. Um, so a Fred passed away after the indexation occurred. Uh, we do need to worry about Audrey's uh, proportionally indexed the transfer balance cap. So mm -hmm. apply the rules we mentioned earlier to Audrey's scenario. So what's the highest ever balance? $905,000. We express that amount as a percentage against the, her transfer balance account, which is $1.6 at that time. We got mm -hmm. a percentage and we round it down. So in this particular scenario, it's a 56%, it's a 56 point something, you round it down, you get the used percentage. That means your unused percentage is a little bit higher. Uh, in this case, 44%. If we apply the increase, general increase of 100,000 to the unused percentage, Audrey will get indexed amount of $44,000 you add that to Audrey's existing or current transfer balance account amount, 1.6 million. So Audrey actually will have the new personal transfer balance cap uh, from the next financial year of 1.644 million. So, okay, true. Mm -hmm. yeah, what? Yep, and so, yep, go on. What would be the Audrey's um, unused cap space? So at the moment is 1.6 minus 905,000, right? And because of the increase of $44,000, that will take um, the unused caps, cap space to precisely $739,000, which is $44,000 higher than this financial year. So that means Audrey still doesn't have enough cap space to take the whole entire 900,000 of this benefit as pension. What can she do? She can either take um, that 161,000 excess amount as a lump sum, or if Audrey really wants to keep everything in the system, 
Audrey could commute 161,000 of her own pension back to accumulation phase and take the whole entire 900,000 in the form of this benefit income stream. So Audrey is able to keep on her own uh, amount, uh, super money, either in accumulation or pension, as well as press this benefit uh, in the system. Okay, terrific. So really great example because it's showing us one, the, the process to go through and identify Audrey's personal transfer balance cap taking into proportional indexation, and then also the, the valuations and the timing of those death benefits um, being paid to her. Now, we talked about before uh, in terms of cap-defined benefit income stream. So what about where a client dies with a reversionary cap-defined benefit income stream? Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, this type of um, uh, income streams uh, could be a tab commenced before 1st July 2017, uh, could find mm -hmm. a benefit income stream. Those income streams are not commutable, right? So uh, the special value is uh, it, it will be credited into the account, um, but it would not be fair if the special value, let's just call it $2 million, exceed the, the person's transfer balance account, uh, sorry, transfer balance cap, and they have nothing to be commuted with because they are not commutable. It would be really unfair to say, hey, guys, deal with the excess, but you have nothing to commute with. So, okay, so to make allowance for this, what the government did, they applied modification to the rules. An individual in this kind of a scenario will only have access if they have breached their personal transfer balance cap as well as their capped defined benefit balance. Um, that would be just a special value. So think about it. In a situation where the individual has no account-based pension or commutable pension of their own, and the only thing they have is a capped defined benefit pension, they will never ever able, uh, they will never be able to breach their cap. Okay, so that, that's really quite important because those cap defined benefit income streams, they can come through quite easily with some very large credit values. I'm, I mean, one of the reasons why people started those, uh, something like a term allocated pension or market linked income stream was for the social security benefits of them, but also a lot of people started them for the old reasonable benefit limit oh, reasons. Yeah. So oh, quite large figures going in and they may still have a period to run for those pensions. So the, the special value could still be very, very large. Now, if you've got some sort of situation where that's reverting to a spouse and that spouse doesn't have their own commutable income stream, well, the government's not really going to do a gotcha moment. They're going to say, okay, well, your, your credit is now $2 million. You're $400,000 over the transfer balance cap. Gotcha. You can't commute that sucked in kind of thing. No, they don't do that. So they're basically saying to the extent that the excess is only caused by your non-commutable cap-defined benefit income stream, then there's nothing to commute. That's essentially what this rule is saying, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So obviously that's probably, yeah, that might happen a little bit, but I think the vast majority of situations is where that cap-defined benefit reverts, that beneficiary is probably going to have their own, something like a, an account-based pension sitting there. So they would have already used up some of their transfer balance cap there 
um, how is that kind of rule going to work in that situation? So let's, let's for example, let's take a client um, where the spouse died with a reversionary cap-defined benefit income stream. And as a result, their transfer balance account is going to increase, let's say, to $3.6 million, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and because it's reversionary, that's going to happen in 12 months after the date of death. But that the reason why we're getting to $3.6 million is because let's just assume that that, that reversionary beneficiary had their own $1.6 million account-based pension, or that's the value in their transfer balance account. Uh, and they're also now getting a credit of $2 million, which is the special value of the term allocated pension. What's, you know, how much are they going to be required to commute there? Because they're way over the cap. Yeah, so we got this um, uh, type of questions very often, actually. And the, uh, uh, a common uh, misconception is that, you know, we heard things like you can only have the cap to defend the benefit pension if the special value is higher than the transfer balance cap. You can't have anything else. That could be true uh, when the rules were initially introduced, but with mm-hmm. the movement up and down, credit and debit, it's no longer the case. So let's, again, apply the rules to the situation. When will the individual have access? That's when they breach their own personal transfer balance cap at this stage, 1.6 million, as well as the cap to define benefit balance, in this case, $2 million. So they just needed to make sure in their transfer balance account, the running balance does not exceed $2 million. So it's a higher of these two. So for this client, um, the client had 1.6 million of her own pension credited. And Craig, did you say the current value of the pension is well? Well, I initially started off saying that the current value is the same. So that would that would say that they've got to commute the full value of their pension. They're not left with anything. But what if what, what if it went up by two hundred thousand dollars? I think what you're telling me there is we're we're working off those transfer balance values. We're not looking off working off their current values. So if I'm at 3.6 and I need to get it down to 2 million because that's the uh, that's my cap-defined benefit balance because it's yeah. higher of those two I'm looking at. So then I'm just commuting 1.6. If my pension balance is currently 1.8, then I get to keep $200,000 worth of account-based pension. Is that what you're saying? Yes, you do. You keep your, uh, the, 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 the growth of $200,000, continue to run as your own account-based pension, you can receive um, the whole entire reversionary uh, defined benefit income stream with a special value of $2 million without having an excess. Okay. So that's really important to know because you, you wouldn't want to commute more than you actually needed to in that situation. Um, now, okay, I get that where markets go up, but markets go up and markets go down, right? So let me just run by a solution here. Okay, so we've assumed that that 1.6 million pension went up to 1.8. What if it went down by $200,000 down to 1.4? How does that then work? Because I would be saying I need to commute out 1.6 million to get rid of the excess, but I've only got and uh, 1.4. I'm only going to get a debit for 1.4. Am I going to be left in an eternal excess position there? Uh, initially, yes, you do. However, in this kind of a situation, just again, to recognize the person has nothing else to commute, uh, commute from or with, um, the ATO will actually issue a special debit. They will wipe out that $200,000 excess 
So in this situation, um, the client will not have a access, uh, will not breach their transfer balance cap either. That's very nice of the ATO. Yeah. A nice little debit for me. Um, but obviously in that situation, otherwise they're going to be left with this unresolvable excess. Yeah. Um, so therefore, you know, it would be pretty mean to then start taxing that and also, you know, how you go through that excess kind of rule. Um, so in, in that situation, I suppose what they're saying is because you can't resolve it, there's no other commutable, commutable income streams anywhere that you can commute to get this balance down. So therefore we'll actually create a debit in your transfer balance account for you. So I suppose the advisor would need to be dealing with the ATO in relation to that, um, or would it just kind of fall out from the, the transfer balance? They would know it's a cap defined benefit income stream. They could see that there's no other debits available to be um, taken out and then they would automatically give you the debit. Is that is that how it potentially yeah, works? that's my understanding. They would just automatically give you the debit. Okay. All right. Well, as we can see, you know, the old uh, death benefit income streams and and cap defined benefit, uh, sorry, the term, sorry, the <laughs> the old death benefit income streams and transfer balance cap. I'm even getting confused about how confusing these rules are. Um, they are quite complex um, and getting it right for a client in this kind of situation is going to be really, really important. So if you've got any questions off the back of this podcast, please go and have a look at the article that we've got on the First Tech webpage or give us a call on the First Tech team and we can walk you through how all this works. Um, I think we'll wrap it up there. Thanks, Linda. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the First Tech podcast. Please remember these podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you're not an authorised financial advisor, you need to remember that any scenarios considered during this podcast were for purely hypothetical and illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. And finally, you should read the relevant product disclosure statement before making any investment decision and once again consider talking to a financial advisor. While all care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be reliable and accurate, no person, including Colonial First Aid Investments Limited or Commonwealth Bank Group of Companies, accepts responsibility for any loss suffered by any person arising from reliance on this information.